Hello and welcome to the World of Mouth podcast, where we share the stories of the world's best chefs and restaurateurs and their favorite destinations to travel and eat. My name is Kenneth Nars and I'm the creative director of World of Mouth, a platform that connects more than 600 restaurant experts who share their favorite restaurants, from the best place for a pizza slice, taco or a hamburger, to the latest must-visit new fine dining restaurant opening. Today we're meeting chef Karime Lopez from Gucci Osteria in Florence, Italy. She was born and raised in Queretaro, north of Mexico City, and learned the love for good food from her mother and grandmother. As a chef, she's worked in some of the most prestigious kitchens around the world, from Mugaritz in Spain to Ryugin in Japan, before finally landing in Italy, working for Massimo Bottura. In 2018, she became head chef at Gucci Osteria in Florence, where she now works with her husband, chef Takahiko Kondo. We'll hear about Karime Lopez's chef career that made her a world citizen, now based in Italy. At the end of the podcast, she will reveal her favorite restaurant recommendations. You'll also find these places in the World of Mouth app. You'll also find these places in the World of Mouth app. Who is Karime Lopez? Well, uh, I'm a Mexican uh, that now lives in Florence. Now I'm... Um, uh, head chef of the Gucci Osteria in Florence. It's a restaurant that started uh, with Massimo Bottura. Uh, he invited me to do this project in 2018, and we opened in 2019. Um, you know, Florence has been always a melting pot of cultures, you know, with the Medici. They really embrace different cultures to enrich their own culture and uh, still um, like a place in evolution with so many arts, so many things to share. And I think in a humble way to say that we also want to do that because having two big Italian names like Gucci and Massimo Bottura uh, the persons that are leading the restaurant are not Italian. I am Mexican and my husband is Japanese. So, but we have a lot of respect on the Italian culture and we bring out all the techniques and, and the stories that we have learned in so many places that we have been or that we have worked. And we just land the idea with the uh, amazing Italian products. So we said that in the restaurant we want to bring out new memories or create new memories uh, for for our clients, for also for our team. You know, there's like a, I always talk about the corn that it's a, an ingredient that connects all the world in a different ways. So like Mexicans, we did like tortilla. I cannot imagine uh, Venezuela without arepas or Peruvians without choclo or in America without grits or in Italy without polenta or, and I can continue, you know? And it's the same ingredient, but the idea and the technique is the thing that travels. And it's what we are doing here. 
and your husband uh, uh, Takahiko Kondo uh, you have a shared background from from uh, Massimo Bottura's uh, Osteria Francescana uh, but if we go a bit further back to your your own background and your childhood where where uh, tell me a bit about about where it all started well um i was born uh, in mexico city but i was raised in queretaro so i feel from queretaro i always said like i'm from queretaro <laughs> because uh, my friends are there my i studied there when i go back is where i spend most of the time and um in my father's family uh they have uh, several restaurants from uh the Yucatan Peninsula food so as we said comida yucateca mm -hmm. and i was born there uh since a child i saw how a restaurant works how to work hard how is like the the logistic to be in the middle of the restaurant all day long. So, and, and the other part uh, from my mother, my grandmother used to do a lot, a lot of big dinners. My, my, my grandfather was a lawyer and there was like always dinners on my house. I used to live there in that house. So I remember like all my childhood was built around a big table with a lot of people and talking always about the great food on that table. So uh, at some point I didn't realize, I think when I, when I was a teenager, that I wanted to be a cook. But uh, because I was very into art, like painting and sculpture all the time. And... Um, also, I didn't have like the, like the, not the time, but the need to cook for me because everybody was cooking for me, like, or my aunt or my grandmother or my mother or someone was cooking all the time. So I didn't like express a lot my cooking on my house, but I think I really like did like, um, training on my palate is very in a young age. So I think that helps me a lot. And then when I finished high school, um, I was a little bit like, oh, I don't know what to do, what to study. I want to study art, but I'm not sure what kind. So I told my mother, you know what? Uh, I'm doing like a year like doing nothing. <laughs> and my mother was like, no, 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 you're wrong in this house or you work or you study. So choose, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you have to choose. And then I told her like, you know, I, I met this girl that is from France and he can give me like French lessons and then I can study French while I understand what I want to do in life. And she was like, no, you're studying French in Mexico. That makes no sense at all. So you have to go to France if you want to study French. So I went to, because a friend of mine was going to Paris, like doing this opera thing, and then also studying French. So I was like, oh, that's my plan. I want to do that the same, you know? So that's where I started all, everything. Okay. And then I enrolled myself 
in the meantime, I was doing all the documents to the art school in Paris, but they needed this uh, certificate from from uh, that I was uh, ha- that I had a high level of French and also on French literature. So I enrolled myself in in all that. <laughs> And uh, when I arrived to Paris, I just remember that at that point that it was, I think, uh, 2000, 2001, there was not those kinds of pastry or those, those kinds of care or presentation at that point in Queretaro. Mm. So imagine myself at 18 years old on those pastries. And, and I was like, and I like to eat a lot. So I was like, what is this? It's like amazing. I, like my brain just exploded, you know, first time out of Mexico by myself. So I was like, I want to do this. This is what I really want to do. It's like art, but I can eat it. So it's perfect. I love to eat and I love art, you know. Yeah. That was my thought at 18 years old. Uh, and I was like, I remember like at, after six months, like mid time of the first course, I was studying in La Sorbonne. I told my mother, you know, I want to, to do this. I want to cook and I want to do pastries and I want to cook and I want to do these amazing sauces that I'm tasting here. So she was like, okay, okay, but you have to search for what you want. Like you have to do everything. I'm not, you decide, you do. So at 18 years old, also was a very tough for me, Paris. It was, I felt it tough. And I was like, I love Paris, but I don't want to live here. Uh, not at that age. Yeah. Um, by myself. So then I met, uh, there was this friend of a family that was in Spain, in Seville. And he recommend this school of culinary school that it's called Escuela de Hostelería de Sevilla. And I wrote a mail just asking for information, like very simple thing. And they sent to when I wa- where I was in Paris, like everything, so much information. And you can come here and see the school and you're very welcome. And I was like, oh, my God, it's happening so quickly. So like kind of easy. And then I went back to Mexico because I needed to like to make the documents to go to Spain, everything. And there's where everything started in that school. And in that school, the good thing is that usually after each year, uh, you have like holidays. But in this school, you didn't. You have to do like this stage each year and the last one is for six months and after the the grade that the chef gives you you can or you can't um, graduate okay so my last my last uh, stage was in Canfaves. i did my first six months there and then they hired me so i i can say that my first formal a kitchen job was in a three Michelin stars. And I really feel that that place like shaped me in so many ways. 
I remember the first day there that I was like, I knew that it was a hard place to be, but I wanted that. And also uh, there was an important thing because no, not all the places gave you housing and paid you. And this one, one of the very, not, not a lot of places that pay you and give you housing. And I was like, I need that because I have no money, you know, and no one is going to sponsor me on this yeah. period of my life. So I'm, if it's hard, but if they pay you, I can work hard. And that is how it started, like my really professional uh, journey. Yeah. And I was there two years, two years, uh, very nice two years. Uh, the, it was beautiful because I learned so much. I met uh, beautiful people. I worked very, very, very hard. And then I understand there that if it was hard, but if I like it, it was my path. And it was funny because Santi, if you have been, I don't know if you have been in the restaurant, but it was a place for really gourmet people. and But he was known because he was super classic and he wants to stay on that path and he respects so much the product and he didn't like to do like uh, uh, modern things. And uh, at some point I, I talked to him, I spoke to him and I told him, you know what, I'm young and I was, I'm hearing a lot of about this place called Mogaritz. And he was like, what are you telling me? You're here. You're going like to the opposite. I'm telling you that that's not the path and blah, blah. And I was like, but I want to see if mm -hmm. it's not the path or what, you know, because everybody's talking about this guy and Donny and I want to see how great he is because everyone is talking about great things about him. And this was, imagine, 2003, you know? Yeah. long time ago and I went there <laughs> I went there I stayed for two months as a stage because they only you can only enter of course by doing like a stage they have to you have to prove yourself that you can be there and uh, after two months I, I ran out of money and I spoke to the office uh, the people that was in charge at that point that it was Marcel and I told him like I really want to stay here but I have no money so if I can be hired that will be great I can work super hard and they accepted so that was very nice and then I went to Puyol because I met Enrique Olvera and that also changed my life because coming from two big restaurants that also was like a military uh, discipline. Yeah. I arrived into this kitchen that you start your prepping with music and everybody was smiling and everybody was sharing. And I was like, the first weeks I was like, oh my God, I cannot do this. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's like, Prohibit, and I don't know the word, but you cannot do it, you know? I mm -hmm. was taught that you cannot do that. 
And then after all, I, I learned that you can also have fun on your job. And Enrique taught, taught me uh, like another way to work. It was, it was super interesting that like this uh, change of uh, way of working and also how to manage a, a big team. And then after Enrique, I needed uh, some money. And I met this guy that uh, was a client of Puyol. And he had some restaurants in Charlotte, in North Carolina. So I went there to make some money. And then I came back. I helped out my family. Well, they helped me. <laughs> because uh, but I needed to make money. So I was working there doing like the, the desserts because I wanted to save money to go to Japan, to Ryugin. So I wrote them and they answered me one year after. So I really forgot about that, you know, because if they don't answer, I was like, oh, maybe I have to apply to another place that I'm interested or something. And then after one year, they, they answered me that I was accepted to do an internship there. And I left everything and I went to Japan. <laughs> what were you looking for in Japan? Why, why move from, from Mexico to, to Japan? Because when I was in Mugaritz, um, we did like this presentation of one of Andoni's book and he invited this chef, uh, Seiji Yamamoto. And he spoke to us about how great he was. And he showed me, I don't remember who, but someone showed me the videos that he used to do there about his food and how great and the product he used and the techniques. And I was like, I want to see that. I need to see the real thing there. Mm -hmm. So I went there <laughs> uh, and it was so funny because nobody spoke. English, just Japanese, and I didn't spoke any word of Japanese. And I didn't knew like even some techniques or some recipes about Japan. I just like threw myself into into the dogs, you know, it was like just like that. But I think I was braver before than mm, now. Yeah. And um uh, I arrived there and it was, I think, is the toughest kitchen I ever seen in my life, but the most beautiful scenario to be a cook because you see that those beautiful knives everywhere, that beautiful product everywhere, this deepness on the thought of each thing, the napkin because these, to, these month is the month of the flowers so this napkin has to be with these flowers and this little uh, glass and this product that just is for two weeks you know it, everything was such in detail that I was amazed uh, then after that the one of the best experiences in my life I went to do a trip in South America um, visit some friends And then some friends of mine that used to work with Santi uh, invited me to help them to do a, 
a dinner in Peru. They told me, oh, there's this guy that we are friends with that it's called Virgilio Martinez. It was 2011, long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh, you, uh, at that point I was in Bolivia. And, oh, uh, come here and then we travel together. And it was perfect because like that I don't like spend so much money and I meet another country, another culture. And being there, I met Virgilio that at that point it, he wasn't that famous. And uh, he told me, what are you doing? I explained him, I just finished with Seiji Yamamoto, and, but I want to come back, but I'm maybe because of the documents I can't, but let's see if he opens at that point in Hong Kong, maybe I can go. So I was, why not? Oh, because I have, um, he told me I have this project in Cusco, and if you can help me on the opening just three months, and then we pay you and then you can go wherever you want. And I was like, perfect, I stay here. I stayed like that, you know, with that luggage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, and I said, yeah, okay. So I stayed there, uh, planning to be just there three months. And then I stayed five years because okay. we opened the, the project in Cusco. And then after a year, he told me that he wanted me back in the restaurant in Lima to be the sous chef. And then I stayed five years with him. And the project, was that meal or what was it? No, it was much more before meal. Okay. It was the first thing he, has in, he had in Cusco. It was a Palacio Nazarenas by Belmont. Yep. And inside was a restaurant that was called Senso. And... Um, uh, I opened that project. Okay. That now I think he's retaking that project again. Okay. And um, and there we started Mater Iniciativa, actually. Yeah, yeah. With the products there and everything. Okay. And then what after uh, Lima, Peru? Uh, um, traveling so much with Virgilio with for events for you know, presentations and everything. Um, Virgilio was invited to do this Jelinas in New York and uh, I went with him and I met Taka. And because he also was in this dinner and you know, there was like all the famous chefs, you know, there was David Chang, René Redzepi, Jan George, Daniel Bolud, everyone. And it was supposed to be teams you know, like yeah. five teams, everyone together. And it was all these famous chefs and us, <laughs> and Taka and me. So at some point with Chiho also, with Chiho Kansaki, we were like, we have to help each other because they are doing press photos, everything, and no one is in our team, no one is like kind of helping or cooking. So if we help each other, maybe this dinner it's going to be good, you know, because we need to cook. Someone has to cook. And that's where I met uh, Taka. And uh, we became friends. We became friends and sometimes we like talk like, oh, I'm going to this place. I think you have been with Massimo. Like, tell me if it, you know, like just advices like as colleagues. And mm -hmm. then after, I think three or two years after, we decided to have a relationship and um, we got married, but yeah. he's still in Modena and I in Peru, and me in Peru. 
And after some months, I moved to Italy. So I started working with Massimo because they kindly invited me to do the styling and to check the recipes of Prairie's Gold. Because with Virgilio, I did the two books with Phaidon and with Penguin. So I had not a big experience, but I knew how to work with Phaidon. And uh, also it was good because I was... I was running out of money. <laughs> so it was a good thing to start working in Italy with them and to didn't, don't run, run out of money. <laughs> so uh, after we finished the book, I was looking for a job and I found one. But you know, Massimo knows everyone. <laughs> yeah. So he came one day, I, oh, I know you met someone that is offering you this job, why, like, how you can imagine that you are here with us and I have so many projects and I was like, yeah, but I, I don't know about these projects, you know, I, so he offered me this to start this project and then I, um, I started here, that's the story. And that was which year was that? This was a. I started here in December of 2018. And yeah. we opened the. Well, a little bit before, but we opened here in January of 2019. And tell me uh, that uh, Gucci Osteria, that was the, there's, there's a few of them now. Uh, this is the yeah. original one and this is basically, it's in the building of the Gucci uh, um, Museum. And was that the main office of Gucci as well? No, not really. Um, this was to, this used to be the archives of Gucci. Yeah. And then it changed. Now we have a gallery where you can see the evolution of Gucci. And also we have a store that is different from the regular stores of Gucci because it's one of a kind, special designs. Also like a bookstore, very nice bookstore. And then we are here. You, you mentioned a yeah. few words about, about the, the idea behind uh, Gucci Osteria, but uh, could you explain, I mean, mention the, the kind of food that you would uh, serve there, what would that be? Um, I will tell that it's a contemporary idea of the Italian cuisine through the eyes of two strangers. Yeah, so Japanese and Mexican influences? Yes, yes, we have, but also because I've called Peru home for five years, also Japan, also mm. Spain, I have been there for six years. Uh, so also I have a Spanish influence, Peruvian, Mexican, Japanese, and you know, like all the times you travel, you train your palate, you have so many different textures, flavors, colors, that I think it's a mm, cuisine in evolution, you know? Yeah. But respecting a lot the, the Italian tradition, also because I think that for Taka and me, the Italian tradition is something new. So we don't have 
the fear of not changing, but like twisting a little bit the, the, the presentation or the idea of that, of that dish. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. we don't have this nostalgic thought about like, oh no, I can't change it because my mother used to do it like that and I have to <laughs> stay on the same path, yeah. you know? Yeah. We're like, oh, let's see if we do this sauce, but with this type of protein and maybe this type of herb, you know? And uh, I think the main, the important thing for us and the main thing is that we have fun with the things that we do here. Yeah, yeah. And that's very important. And I think you can tell on our menu, you know, that we have fun, we respect the product, the tradition, but we also want that the people that come to the restaurant have fun and enjoy the moment, you know. In the next part of the podcast, we'll hear Chef Karina Lopez's favorite restaurant recommendations in Florence, Mexico, and Japan. You're located actually in the the very center of uh, of, of Florence, of, of the old 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 town, um, and uh, talking about restaurants and so and other restaurants. Um, which favorite places would you have uh, with your family uh, in in the the area in in Florence and around? Well, you know, uh, there are so many trattorias that we love. And how is I mean, how is for Florence? Obviously, is quite. Florence obviously is considered uh, quite a touristy city and by some people maybe a bit tricky as a restaurant city uh, because it might be there's a lot of tourist traps. Uh, how do you navigate uh, I agree. there? Yeah, I agree <laughs> on what were you say about the tourist traps and also like uh, maybe non-Italian food that seems Italian but it's not. <laughs> um, how it happened? Uh, eating and asking people, you know, also asking clients. We still like some clients tell us, that, "Oh, have you been here? You you should go." And oh, next day off, let's go to this place. So I think one of our favorites. It's uh, I have two in my heart because now since I've been here, it's a place that you know we don't have a lot of days off or so much time. So when we are there, it's like a, a priceless time together with your friends or with your family. So one is a Trattoria Sostanza. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a really small place. Uh, they have, uh, my favorite thing there is like kind of like, it's like a kind of omelette with, art, with artichokes. Yeah. It's very simple, but they do it like super good. like. Simple, simple. And what Very is it nice. called? What's it called? The, the dish. The dish. The, the dish. Tortino ai carciofi. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very normal. Yeah. Uh, also, another one that I love that place because also you have fun. It's called Brindelone. There's uh, a place where seems like dishes are flying because they serve you so fast. Uh, Tuscan traditional food. Uh, you barely see tourists there, not really. And it's really, really hard to get a table there because it's 
price is super good, quality is super good, traditional dishes, perfect, you know? Yeah. Uh, my favorite thing there is for everybody, I think, is La Bisteca, of course, you know, we're, you are in Florence. But for me, is the uh, Fayolia Luchaletti. As a Mexican, I love beans. But these beans are very, very special. They are super, super good. I love them. They are cooked with a little bit of salchicha, tomatoes, like a really uh, rich stew. Yeah, yeah. Really nice. I love them. Nice. Now I'm hungry again. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think, uh, you know, like street food here in, Ita in Florence is the lambredotto. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. this uh, sandwich, like with the stomach and everything, and this there is one very close to the restaurant that it's called Maledetti Toscani. Okay. And the good thing here is because Lambredotto used to is normally is big, kind of. Yeah. But there you can choose a little one, so you can take like a on the way small sandwich. Very nice. Um, And do you another do, thing? Do you get do you get them? You get them with the red and the green sauce, or do you only take the green sauce, or which? Uh... I just take the green one. Just I like green. just with the green one. Yeah, because it reminds me a little bit as a torta de carnitas in Mexico. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With with the green one, yeah. So, so lampredotto is basically that's the uh, it's one of the cow stomachs that is stewed and then in a tomato-ish sauce. And then it's uh, yes. put into a bun. And the, what's in the green sauce? That's like a, a salsa verde or it's what's it? A, yeah, it's a salsa verde. Yeah. It's a parsley with garlic, oil. It depends. Each, each place has its own uh, different recipe because they add some herbs. But basically it's parsley, uh, garlic, uh, oil. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Also, a thing that I love, I don't care if it's winter, it's gelato. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I always tell Italians, you don't have to, to create or invent something about dessert because you already want to everyone, you have gelato, you know. So one of my favorites is La Pasera. I love that gelato, it's really, really good. And also there is one called La, Sorbe La Sorbeteria. Yeah. They, do, they do this uh, gelato uh, fior di latte with salt. Okay, well. So good. And so in, good. The, in the, first yeah. place, the first place you mentioned, which, uh, which flavors would you go for? Uh, there is one called panacotta, very simple. I will go for that. And when they have fig gelato, yeah. just in the fig season, oh. I love that one. Oh, okay. Fig gelato, yeah. Also, a really nice place to go is where you have this, it's called La Gran Crema al Café. Okay. And you have this kind of long coffee in this cup. Yeah. And they cover it very nice, that seems a flower, with vanilla gelato. Okay. Wow. Very nice. It's, the place is called mm. uh, Gelato Boboli. Biboli. Biboli. Very good, very good. What about any, if you would go to, um, you obviously are a bit biased, but if you would go into like more fine dining or high-end uh, restaurants, any any place you would go for that or? 
we have, of course, one of the biggest places, important places for wines, that it's Enoteca Pinchiori. Yeah, sure. That it's three Michelin stars, Giorgio Pinchiori there. Great, uber great wines and great food. So fine dining, I will do that. Or also the Chef Vito Molica place. Yeah. Ah, it's called now Atto. Okay, Atto. Atto by Vito Molica. Yeah. Really nice place. Great chef. Very nice what, guy. So. What what kind of what kind of cooking would that be? Uh, he do like more tradition of Ita- of Italy. Uh, he has this famous plin. Yeah. This you know this kind of pasta. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's more into Italian tradition, but really well done, very nice. Also beautiful place in this like uh, ancient palazzo, Florentine style. You know, you feel okay. like you're. Very royal when you were there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, nice. Very good. Anything uh, else in uh, in Florence or the neighboring or in Italy or, or something abroad, maybe? Some places? Uh, well, abroad? Oh, my list is <laughs> forever. <laughs> it's long. <laughs> ah, but let's talk about my Queretaro, where I used to live. Yeah. So, if you go to the market in Querétaro, El Mercado de la Cruz, uh, there is a place there that it's, uh, I don't remember how it's called, but if you go there, uh, inside the market, there's, it's super famous, it's, uh, and they sell these gorditas de maíz quebrado. It's like crushed corn gorditas, yeah. filled with uh, pork and just pork or you can mix pork and cheese and then they put lettuce and salsa different salsa uh, I love that place when I go to Querétaro I go there I love it also uh, in Querétaro there's tacos eh, la tesorito very nice place I okay. love it what, what type of tacos? Uh, different it's like so many so many types of tacos. But it's a great place to be with your family, super informal, like casual, nice place. Yeah. And when we go to Tokyo to see the other part of the family, yeah. there's a ramen very close to Taka's place. That it's, if you see that place from outside, you will say like, no way, I will not eat there. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it's, one of the best ramens I ever had in my life. And, you and it's called bas- Basoku. Basoku, okay. Basoku. And I always, because, you know, gyoza is to share, but they are so good that I just ask for me. Yeah. <laughs> if you want, you have to ask yours. <laughs> so I have my tam-tam ramen. I love it. Uh, because the thing that I like is that this tam-tam that they do, they really, really like... Um, almost burn all the spices and so your ramen is almost like black very yep. nice super rich on flavor delicious I think I'm going on February and I can't wait to be there I'll send you a photo <laughs> yeah great great
some other places in Tokyo or in Japan? In Japan, I think Beast Bar of Narisawa. I love that place. Casual food, super, 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 super nice. Nice drinks. It's a place, I must. I must in Tokyo, Beast Bar. Um, uh, I like very much this sushi, I'll tell you, because also I have it here. Um, you know, each place of sushi is a different experience, like a different head, you know, yep, like yep. each restaurant. But sushi is particularly different. So I think now my favorite ever is Sushi Sugita. Sugita, yeah. I think he approaches also to the people in such a different way, like traditional. He stays very tra still traditional, but he evolved in a way that you can enjoy more, even if you're not Japanese. Oh, okay. And also the product is like super good. Very, very nice place. Yeah. Uh, in Peru, I will say Isolina. Oh my God, it's so good. So How would you describe Isolina? Uh, real Peruvian flavors. Like it's so rich, so delicious. <laughs> so many, so much flavor on each dish. Very nice. Yeah. Um, also, um, you know why one place that I want to go back? And I have to, I think I have to, I earned that to Taka. I have to pay him that flight to go to Ramiro in Lisbon again. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, to eat seafood. Seafood place, yeah. 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 I, it's so famous, but it's so good, you know. Now, in Merida, we have been already twice. And I think one of my favorite places to have like a... Because one of the things that I miss more from my country is the breakfast. Yep. Like this big breakfast with everything. Sweets, uh, savory, juice, bread, eggs, beans, uh, <laughs> pancakes, <laughs> yeah. all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Pancho Maiz is one of the places that I say like, wow, they do it so good. Uh, healthy corn you know that that's very important and it's missing in so many places in mexico healthy corn um and they do all kinds know, of corn dishes or what's what's the the dishes they do is yeah, that not only tacos they have no no they do pancakes bread uh you know quesadillas enchiladas uh, eggs with beans and they have a wide variety of yeah. things that you can have there uh, really nice juices really nice coffee um, the best place to have breakfast or brunch or even lunch there and they're based where, where is the location is where is it in Merida Merida yeah. Mexico Merida yeah. Yucatan One last question uh, to round the, 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 our talk, uh, round it up. Uh, if you would be able to pack your bags uh, tonight with, with Taka and travel anywhere in the world uh, and go anywhere to a restaurant and have a dinner there, which, uh, which restaurant could that be? <laughs> I'm between 
uh, as we said in Spanish, estoy entre la espada y la pared, you know, between the wall and a sword, <laughs> because it's hard to tell if I, but if it's my decision, my yep. idea, yes. my money, yes. <laughs> Mexico, I will go for sure to eat tacos at El Huequito. Okay. What kind of place is that? It's a taco place in Mexico City. Um, really good tacos. The important thing, really good tortillas. Very nice. And uh, I really like that place because also I've shared so many nice moments with my friends. So it's a mix of things. Maybe for other people, the best tacos are others. But for me, are there combination of memories and atmosphere and, and, and good food yeah yeah okay very good thank you for this so Karime Lopez at Gucci Osteria in Florence thank you so much for the talk really enjoyed talking to you and uh, good luck with everything there thank you Kenneth hope to see you soon again and uh, happy holidays happy holidays and Merry Christmas thank you so much Thank you for listening to the Walla Mouth podcast with Chef Karime Lopez from Gucci Osteria in Florence, Italy. You'll find all the recommendations mentioned in this episode and more in the Walla Mouth app, available in your app store, or visit our website at wallamouth.app. I'm Kenneth Nars. Until next week, when we meet Chef Mitsuharu Micha Tsumura in Lima, Peru. Mm-hmm.